0: All right guys, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to Theory and Theology. Now, I don't think I'm going to do what I'm about to do every single week. Um, but you know, last night I was trying to record this episode of um you know for the adventist types out there um or people interested in some of the learning schedule materials um i was going to look at this week's um lesson So last night I did a recording on it, which I did not post because it was like a couple hours, and I don't know if it was very well thought out, like maybe it was, but um, I just didn't post it because it was way too long, Um, and since it's online anyways, I figure people don't really need to go through like an audio recording that's like two separate one hour Segments. So I'm going to redo this and hopefully I like this version better. Hopefully it's uh, more on point. But I'm pulling from the uh, Sabbath.school website. Um, it's on lesson eight of this uh, Sabbath School quarterly. So, it's, uh, I don't know if this is a triggering topic for people, but it's called On Death, Dying, and the Future Hope. And I'm basically going to be talking about some of the Adventist traditional, um, understandings of these types of topics, um, for this fourth quarter, quarterly Because I know this time of year, you know, a lot of people start, you know, getting maybe a little more interested in, you know, religious things or spending more time around family and church and other kinds of stuff when Christmas comes around and all that kind of thing. So um, I figure let's get a head start on that. And then for the people who also kind of have this, uh, like these New Year's resolutions are like the beginning of the year, like, let's read the Bible in the year kind of thing. Um, I just wanted to see kind of what the topics were that are out there. So I'm not going to go through this whole lesson eight. Um, I'm just going to go through the discussion questions and talk kind of about the um, general teachings of what people learn maybe like as kids or when you're growing up in the church and you know I think it's interesting for people who maybe want to compare it to maybe how they might have been raised um in a different denomination or um understanding about what Christianity kind of teaches on these topics um I mean you guys already know that my my beliefs and my way of viewing things is uh you know, I try to be pretty open-minded about stuff. Um, I don't really care to take much of a very hard stance on things. Um, just because something is a tradition, or because I learned something in one in one way, doesn't necessarily mean that I feel the need to kind of adhere to it forever. Um, and I also don't really like to talk too much about my own personal beliefs of what I do or don't believe um i like to kind of keep it based on the the texts um the texts that are written and just like theories of different scholars um but i'm also not going to be like pulling out a bible and reading through all of the you know study uh chapters and everything um um, so let's see. Lesson eight goes from November 12 to November 18 of 2022. So it's the daily lesson starting with Sabbath afternoon, Saturday afternoon. Um, so Saturday The lesson was called the New Testament of the New Testament hope. Sunday, November 13th. The lesson was called hope beyond this life. Monday, November 14th. I will come again. Tuesday, November 15th. I will raise him up. Wednesday, November 16th. At the sound of the trumpet. Thursday, November 17th. The everlasting encounter. Friday, November eighteenth, the last day, um, is basically further thought and it has four discussion questions as well as this inside story that I you know, it's usually some story about some person. Um, um <clears throat> so I'm only looking at the discussion questions Um, and sometimes these questions are worded in a strange way, uh, that kind of requires breaking them down into some other kind of way to explain them. So the first question comes up on Sunday, November 13th about hope beyond this life. Um, it says, uh, think about how precious our faith and hope is sorry, think about how precious our hope and faith is. Why must we do all that we can by God's grace to preserve it? Um, so in the Adventist teaching, you know, there's definitely a big push to preserve and maintain within the traditions, um, Adventism isn't the only denomination that does this, but um, in Adventism, you do very, very commonly see, um, you know, people who educate their children in the Adventist church from preschool all the way through college, university, even if you want to go on to higher education, there are uh opportunities to get a, get an M.D. or a Ph.D. Psy.D., um, like other like doctoral and higher education degrees, master's degrees, through the Adventist school systems. Um, I mean, strangely enough, in Adventism, you know, you're you're able to basically live a life disconnected from mainstream society even though a lot of people do connect with mainstream society, like it's in a way kind of almost similar to not, not as strict as Amish or Mormon or Jehovah's Witness, uh, churches, but, um, it's kind of up there. Um, I had a friend that was Pentecostal and, uh, he, didn't listen to secular music, I know he watched sports, played sports, um, I don't know what he watched other than sports and stuff like that, but, and, you know, but otherwise, um, I would just assume that, like, what he watched on TV and, like, movies and stuff, um, I don't remember if he ever really went to movies with us, um, so I would say he was kind of strict as well, um, but I didn't really know that many people like that who were raised Pentecostal. He was the only one that I knew that was raised Pentecostal that was pretty strict. Otherwise, all the other people I knew who were pretty strict were Adventist people. Um, and most of the people I grew up with that were not Adventists, they were either Jewish or Catholic or Baptist or kind of like... Eh, Like, I knew some people of other religions, like Muslims, um, but, you know, the Muslim and Jewish people I knew were kind of strict, but, you know, there weren't really a whole lot of strict people around, you know, where you couldn't really do stuff. It was more so like the dietary and, you know, days that you could or couldn't hang out, But otherwise, like, they were allowed to come and do whatever we were doing. Um, And so, you know, when it comes to hope and faith in the Adventist church, there's definitely um, a lot of that, uh, you know, the faith and the hope and a lot of traditions tied in um, to try to preserve it. And and it's it tends to be pretty important to, you know, some Adventist people. So for the question why why must you know a person do all that they can to preserve it? I mean, I think most people think about passing down the values to different, like later generations, um, and making sure that, you know, later generations are knowledgeable and educated. And, you know, because a lot of Adventists feel like, you know, they're often taught that, you know, this is the right way to live your life, and any other way outside of this is um not considered as acceptable like you're definitely taught that kind of message growing up um this is the truth this is the right way other churches don't have it wrong look how they don't keep the sabbath and they eat meat and they eat unhealthy meats and look how you know you know our people you know the adventists uh, compared to the average american might live about 7 years longer because of our health message and things like that, you know, um, that they find important that other churches maybe don't stress, like, a Sabbath rest or don't stress, like, dietary, dietary kind of concerns and exercise and balanced lifestyle as part of, like, a religious practice, um, so that's in general kind of how people are kind of taught, uh, growing up. About how to make decisions about what you're gonna do, um. So when it comes to preserving the traditions and preserving the beliefs and values, that's kind of the mindset people take. Uh, Monday, November fourteenth, for the lesson that says, "I will come again." Um. It says, you know, a pastor preached a sermon. Arguing that he didn't care when Christ returned. All he cared about was that Christ does return. How does that logic work for you? And how might it help you? Sorry. And how might it help if you are discouraged over Christ having not yet returned? So, um... so I guess, uh, in this question, they're talking about a sermon that was, um, you know, I guess some people, you know, want for Jesus to return during their lifetime while they're still living before they die, and they do get discouraged that, you know, as they get older and older, they're like, oh, man, like, I wanted to see this actually happen while I was alive. And then for other people, you know, they might believe, you know, hey, as long as Jesus does return, it doesn't matter, like, if I'm alive or not. Um, And so, personally for me, like, um, I'm not really going to talk about how that logic works for me, but I would say for, I've definitely heard a lot of people mention Um, that they want, you know, they want this to be the end times. They want, um, you know, life on earth as we know it to be over and for us to be able to not have to live on earth with pain and suffering and the fear of death and dying and all that kind of stuff. Um, So... Overall, you know, the Adventist Church teaches that you know, you know, Jesus was, you know, crucified and resurrected, and is coming back to return for the people who um, are believers. Um, there are definitely different theories of like what's going to happen to who, and how it's going to happen, like, between beliefs in, like, heaven and hell, like, people kind of have their own different personal perspectives on that, um, is it going to be only Adventists, is it 144,000, is it only Christians, is it non-Christians, is it just people who are good, that, you know, you know, the return of Jesus is going to take those people to heaven, like, usually people are taught that, You know, if you had a chance to accept Jesus um, and you didn't, then you might be lost. But also it's like, I don't know, that's that's kind of uh, something that people are taught Um, that I don't I don't know if that's more of a fear tactic Um, the reason why I say that is because, you know, if you think about how Christianity kind of sprung out of Judaism, I mean, Jewish people don't necessarily believe that because they're Jewish, um, they're going to go to heaven. They believe that they're the chosen people and they keep the commandments, but there's not really that, um, differentiation so much between, like, you know, if I follow this rabbi's teaching or this prophet's teaching or, um, like that one thing is going to save you more than the other. Um, but I feel like the Adventist church does kind of, um, often preach that message that, um, one thing is going to lead, uh, you know, Lead you more likely to get to heaven or not, but I I don't really know how biblical those ideas are. I it's something that I'm still trying to research out because it does, it is kind of hard to tease out like the ideas of heaven and hell and um what it means like saved versus not saved versus you know, uh, commandment you know, keeping the commandments, and which commandments are those, because there are 613 commandments, but then there's, like, the 10 commandments, and then there's the two commandments, and there's, like, all these different explanations about commandments, and so, you know, overall, people do focus on, um, commandments, so, um, So yeah, people focus a lot on keeping of commandments and, you know, the second coming of Jesus. Um, that's a very common teaching. You don't really hear it, um, separated out too much in the Adventist church. It's usually like, um, you know, we try to keep these commandments. We try to keep these traditions. Um... And then, you know, I'm not too sure about, like, how people really feel about, you know, if I die first, um, before, you know, Jesus had returned, then, you know, how discouraging would that be? Um, Because usually in the Adventist church, people are taught that once you die, the next thing you're going to see is the second coming of Jesus and so it's kind of like well either way you know either you get all the way to death and then you see it or you see it while you're still living it's kind of like I don't really know like to me it's kind of it's kind of almost the same thing um But I don't know if I was like 105 years old or something or 110 years old or something. And I was just like, man, like, um, I don't really know. Like, I really don't know um, what to think about most of those types of teachings. Um, There's a lot of uh, this uh, focus on being immortal, immortal, living forever, Um, in heaven, um, Tuesday, November 15th, I will raise him up. Uh, it says, dwell on the words of Jesus that, so these are the words, um, if you believe in him, you have, as in right now, eternal life. How can this wonderful promise help you deal with the painful reality of our present though only temporary, mortality. Um, so according to Adventist beliefs, um, there is some kind of uh, often discussion around, you know, belief ver- versus works. Um, so the difference between those two is, you know, most most churches would say, I mean, at the very least, that you have to, you know, state that you believe in Jesus and that that's what you believe in and that is what gives you eternal life. Some people go further to say, you know, once you believe and get baptized, then, you know, you can have eternal life. Other people say, once you believe and get baptized and then follow all of these rules, so long as you're following the rules, then you'll get the eternal life versus if you're not following the rules, you're going to end up in some place of punishment. Um, And I would say that the Adventist church kind of tends to go more towards, like, believe, get baptized, and follow the rules. But according to this, you know, uh, how they say, like, the words of Jesus, if you believe in Him, you have, as in right now, eternal life. Um, now, the way that that might fluctuate, as in your beliefs, or the way that that might change, as in, you know, the actions that you do, um, that may or may not be within the traditions or the commandments or whatever. Um, there's, it's not uncommon for people to be challenging others about their status of eternal life. Um, there is kind of a fear tactic involved of like, you know, you have to repent, um, or else like, um, there's definitely this idea that gets discussed of like, okay, what if you go all the way following everything as good as you can and then you're on your deathbed and you say a swear word or something and then you die without repenting like are you going to are you going to have eternal life like if you did not repent before you die do you still have eternal life um even if you did you know accept um, and believe before that, you know, and then you just happen to do something that wasn't within the rules and didn't repent for it, is that gonna, is that gonna get you in trouble, um, so there's that way of thinking, there's another way of thinking of, you know, um, um, you know, you can go all the way, you know, just doing whatever you want to do all the time every day for your whole life. But if you repent on your deathbed, then you're going to have eternal life. Um, So there's definitely these extremes in thinking of like, are you going to make it or you're not going to make it? Like there's this constant like worry of like, you know, do I really believe that I'm going to make it? just by doing what it, what it kind of just basically says, or do I have to try really hard and, like, break my back over this and really be, like, worried and in fear that I'm gonna go to hell, um, and like I said, the ideas about heaven and hell are very, like, there are various ideas about that, um, and... You know, so it kind of depends how you look at that kind of thing. Um, that is kind of a big thing that, you know, I've seen people at churches, um, you know, like, say, for example, whenever there's an altar call, you know, going up to the altar call every single time uh, versus somebody who might never go to church, and then they just go for their baptism service, and then they hardly ever come back again, um, you know, versus, you know, somebody who maybe doesn't go to church, but you know that they study, and they're kind of having, like, a religious lifestyle, or people who, you know, they really base a lot on, like, who you see in church, um, it's a very church-going kind of communal, communal religion, like, you know, people start, I don't really want to call it judging, but people start kind of trying to see if they think, you know, somebody's living according to what they need to be doing or not, um, so there's definitely that pressure to, like, follow the rules, or at least in the public eye, follow the rules, Cause you don't want people to think that you're condemned to hell um but when it comes to you know when it talks about painful reality of our present um you know I would say if that is you know the only thing a person has to do is to believe and have eternal life and saying eternal life as an an eternal life being immortal in a perfect setting being immortal without pain without suffering without death without other people you know dying without sickness without all these other issues um that's different than being immortal and just like living forever on earth as it is and so I think you know most people would want to live eternally in a perfect environment um but i i would say most people don't want to live eternally in this environment as it is especially with how it gets worse and then i feel like most people don't want to live eternally in hell you don't want to be immortal in hell either and so i mean there's all these different like ideas of like maybe you live forever maybe you just die Um, Maybe you die and there's some kind of punishment, but you die from that immediately. Or maybe you just burn forever in hell, which is kind of like, that's another extreme where it's like, I mean, there are people who believe that, but I feel like that belief is getting a little, I mean, I grew up with, you know, people challenging that belief more or less, but I know I grew up around that belief that there is in another immortality where you're immortal but in punishment forever versus immortal in a per- perfect environment um and that the way that's determined is basically by if you either believe or get baptized or follow the traditions and the rules and the commandments or like there's like something that's going to qualify you or not and it doesn't seem like anybody's fully clear on like what it is that you need to do to get to the better version of, of immortality, but a lot of it's faith-based, like, what you believe, and when you study, like, what do you believe? A lot of it does come down to that, so I'm not really a person who's gonna be like, oh, yeah, if you don't believe this, you go to hell, or if you're some other religion, or not even a religion, or atheist, you're gonna go to hell, um, I don't even know, like, how would i know how would i know like how would i know who's gonna go where and why why do i care i don't even care honestly (laughs) you know like if heaven exists you know i would love to have all my friends and family there and otherwise you know um it's it's nice to think you know to live in a perfect world forever Um, in harmony and peace with everything being loving and a great community around um, in a positive environment. I mean, that sounds very appealing to me. Um, But also, you know, it's just really challenging to tell, you know, where some of these ideas come come about. Like, is it from... um, from actually um, is it from actually knowing the information Um, um, let me see So I don't, I don't really know if there's more to really say on that. There's just, there's just so many theories (laughs) that it's like, where do you go with it sometimes? You know, like I'm not, I'm not the type of person who's trying to spread complete negativity about things. I think, um, you know, it's not very appealing for people to, uh be feeling judged or thinking that other people are judging them or making decisions about their own you know future um but okay so Wednesday November 16 at the sound of the trumpet no question Thursday November 17 the everlasting encounter Uh, it's a long like six lines so it says this is such an amazing promise something so different from anything that we have experienced that is hard to grasp but think about the vastness of the cosmos as well as the incredible complexity of life here creation itself testifies to god's amazing power What does all this teach us about the power of God to translate the living and raise the dead at Jesus' second coming? I mean, okay, so worded very oddly, but, um, you know, it's kind of pulling from, you know, the ideas of creation the power of God seen through creation and then um, the power of God regarding raising the dead Um, uh, raising the dead and then like the ideas of what happens at Jesus second coming with, with the dead being raised Um, you know, this is, there's so much, uh, I don't want to say really controversy, but there's, it's, it's a very complex, um, like these are all very complex topics that could take hours to talk about, which is why it took me so long last night when I was trying to give some kind of explanation because creation itself, the story of creation itself, you can go on and on and on about that story. I mean, it's only six days of creation and it's still just like super complex. Um, And then there's also, you know, raising from the dead. Definitely, you know, you know, documented stories in the Bible of Jesus raising people from the dead. Um, now raising people from the dead is, is, I'm not saying everybody just can raise everybody from the dead, but it's not something that's, that we don't ever witness in our lifetime. You know, like there've been plenty of stories, experiences of people where they say, Hey, this person was pronounced dead And then they're no longer dead. Like they had no vital signs for long enough that it was like they weren't living and now they are. Or people who say that they were pronounced dead and they saw the light and all these kind of things. Or people who say they had some kind of experiences while they were dead, but they had some form of maybe consciousness where they were, you know, either thinking or actually experiencing their spirit or soul or something doing some other kind of thing. And then they came to, and then they were able to express these experiences. I mean, I don't know what that is. There, There's just some other kind of thing that's going on sometimes. And so, um, these are all things that are just really complex to be like, okay, like something else is going on here, um... It's not like a a daily common occurrence and it's not something that really like makes the news, but you you can find books about people who said that they were pronounced dead and got raised. I mean, you know, I've known a lot of people who probably should have died with some situations they were in and didn't die and all kinds of situations surrounding death and life um, that can't be really explained. Um, by science and so you know when it comes to these concepts about like people raising from the dead and stuff I don't think it's that uncommon of a thing but thinking about you know mass amounts of people being raised from the dead at you know the second coming of Jesus people who have been dead for like years decades you know centuries um that's a whole different ball game. You know, so I don't even know um um like when you think about creation, you know, like for me anyways when I think about creation, I'm not thinking much about the concept of death and things being raised from the dead, but there was definitely death early in the Bible. Um, I mean, the whole argument between, you know, the serpent in the tree and Eve was, you know, when he kind of caught her up saying, you know, surely you won't die, you know, and it's like, have had they even seen death before? Like, do they even know what the concept of death is if they were supposed to live forever in this harmony garden of Eden? And then they were told, don't eat from this tree or else you're going to die. And it's like, from the very beginning, this concept of death was around. And I believe, at least according to the Bible, the first time that there was some kind of death was, you know, God sacrificing an animal and making clothing for Adam and Eve um, once they realized they were naked after they had eaten from the tree um and after he had like reprimanded them and kind of explained um I don't know what happened first if he explained like the curses that they were gonna get and then made them clothing or if he made them clothing first I'd have to go back and see but um I don't know if it says sacrifice or if it's just assumed that the animal skins came from a sacrificed animal um, and with Cain and Abel, you see sacrifice, you know, happening um, of some form, you know, um, with Abel sacrificing of his, you know, flock. I mean, yeah, it's death of animals. And then you see, you know, Cain, you know, kill Abel. I mean, there's definitely death, killing, uh, you know, killing. I don't know if there was like just natural death yet, but there was definitely killing to die, you know, killing of animals, sacrificing of animals, killing of a brother, um, I don't know if by that point anyone had naturally died of old age, it doesn't seem like it according to what's in there, um, but, you know, that's early, that's still early in Genesis, you know, and now you're talking about, like, raising the dead and things like that. Um I mean yeah that's um I don't know what it really teaches us when we think about the complexity of the vastness of the cosmos and creation and all that kind of stuff. I don't really know what that teaches us about, you know, raising, you know, Jesus second coming and people being raised from the dead. I mean, I don't really see like a very direct link there um but yeah if you're just thinking of like god being all powerful yeah if you can create earth you can raise everybody from the dead like i don't see why that would be such a difficult task if you've already created everything uh spoke it all into existence um and I think the only thing that was formed uh by God doing something other than just speaking it into existence was, you know, humankind. I mean uh you know, God you know, with the with the clay and the and the breath in the nostrils, it's like there was some action happening other than just like, let there be this, let there be that let this bring forth that, you know, it's like, oh, let me actually make the human, you know, so that, you know, that's kind of different, very hands on approach um, to human life. And it sounds like maybe with the creation of human life being hands on, and then the resurrecting of the dead being kind of more, I don't know if that's a hands on thing. Um, But definitely something that exists. Um, in this, you know, thinking, and then the final part, Friday, November 18, with the four discussion questions, I'm going to speed through these, uh, someone said, death wipes you out, to be wiped out completely, traces and all, goes a long way toward destroying the meaning of one's life, what hope, then do we have against such meaninglessness in our lives? Um, So I don't really see if a person doesn't have any trace of their life. I don't really consider that meaningless. Um, I feel like there's at least maybe meaning for the majority of people that were born like, at least at the birth process, I mean, yeah, not everybody is born on purpose, and there's definitely, like, abuse that can lead to pregnancies and things like that, but um I feel like overall, a lot of people who want to have kids are trying to have them, and then they do, so for that reason, I would say that even if that person doesn't leave any kind of trace behind... As in, you know, if they haven't improved anybody's life or done anything significant on this earth while they were living, I still wouldn't see that as, like, meaningless. Um, I don't know when a person's life would be considered actually meaningless, even if a person was in a vegetative state or if a person was, for lack of a better word, like, brain dead or, you know, conscious but not able to fully move um, and had to be taken care of 24-7, um, and couldn't do anything on their own. I wouldn't call that meaningless either. I would say, you know, okay, this, this other type of category, like the Stalins and the Hitler types of people, they don't have any traces that are, that are not seen. Like, they definitely left a huge impact, um, But I would say in a way their lives had maybe less meaning to a lot of people because of how much treachery they brought to the planet. But they definitely you wouldn't say that there's no trace of these people like they existed and just caused a bunch of chaos for years. Um, Second question of four. Um, How can we harmonize the need to grow toward perfection with the fact that only at Christ's second coming will we receive an incorruptible and sinless nature? Um, This whole growing toward perfection, I personally think perfection is an individual understanding. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of growing to think that that, you know, people get convicted within themselves of how they feel like they should live their life. And you kind of know when you're kind of living up to that and when you're not. Um, One of the issues I think that I get into is when other people are saying you're not being perfect according to what I think perfection looks like and you're not doing it. Um, That to me is a little shaky of an argument it's like okay like who's making these rules anyways um because if you think about it people say okay live according to the bible like that's what a, a an adventist christian would say but then you ask everybody in the church and everybody has a different explanation of everything that's in there and so it's like well if you all have different explanations then what version is the right version i think it can be individual it doesn't have to be the same explanation for every single person Um, If you're basing it on the Bible, if you're not basing your life on the Bible, then I think you still know what's right from wrong and what's the optimal best life you can live versus when you're kind of slacking or just, you know, doing things that aren't really in alignment with, you know, your authentic self. You know, I think we all kind of know what that looks like. We can be in denial about it and we can avoid it and ignore it. But I think we all really know what that looks like for our own selves. But to try to place that on somebody else is uh, maybe not appropriate. I don't think it's appropriate. Um, and when it comes to you know the belief that in the second coming um, that you know humans will become incorruptible and sinless in nature with their with their immortality. Um, cool you know even better that's definitely an upgrade um but the concept of sin is very uh a confusing one like you you see it early in genesis the concept of sin um i don't know the first time when the word sin is actually used but the first punishment you see is um in the garden of eden eden um and so I know that's definitely assumed a as sin. Um and the sin was, you know, not doing what God said to do directly saying don't eat from the tree and they ate from it. And we can argue they were tricked into eating from it, but they they did it anyways and they weren't supposed to. Um But I don't know if there were any other rules for them. It seems like that was the only rule. There weren't like all these commandments and all this other stuff. It was just like, don't go over there and eat that, eat that, you know, stay away from it, you know. Um, Number three, how might we be able to help someone? Excuse me. Number three, how might we be able to help someone caught up in the idea of the secret rapture to see why this teaching is wrong? I don't really care if people believe in a secret rapture. I mean, Adventist tradition doesn't teach about secret rapture. It teaches about, you know, everyone who's dead is going to be raised and everyone who's going to be going to heaven is going to be going at the same time. There's not, like, a secrecy surrounding it. But the people who do believe in a secret rapture believe in it because of their interpretation of what they're reading and how they're studying. And so I don't really think i don't really excuse me i don't really fully believe in the whole like okay why i need to tell somebody i need to need to tell someone that the teaching that they believe in is wrong um i i have never really been too okay with that um let people believe what they want to believe let them study the way that they study let them follow things the way that they feel like they want to follow um if they believe that that's how it's going to be I mean I'm not the one raising these people from the dead so I can't say that there's no secret rapture um I mean just because of what I was taught that the bible says doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right or that the people teaching it were right um so I don't really know Um, I I wouldn't go that route to try to help someone uh, in this wording, help someone caught up in the idea of the secret rapture. I don't really think that people get caught up in that idea, and I don't really think that it's something that is worth the energy to be arguing about. There are other things, you know, I think the energy needs to go into helping people who are needy, and it doesn't really need to be put into arguing about who believes what sentence over another sentence is more right than the other sentence. I mean, help the people. That, you know, that's it. Um, and for the last question, um, it talks about 1 first, first Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. What in these verses presents such powerful evidence? for the teaching that the dead are asleep as opposed to being up in heaven with Jesus what sense do these verses make if a righteous if the righteous dead are indeed in heaven with Jesus now so this is going to deserve a longer answer that I'm not going to give it cuz I'm busy and I have other things I need to go do um but mm, In Adventist tradition, people believe that when people, when somebody dies, they're not immediately with Jesus. Um, Somebody dies, they're in the grave. They're not roaming around on the earth. They're not, you know, immediately taken to heaven. Um, Now, there are some other areas in the Bible that talk about the righteous who die being with Jesus in heaven there are some examples in the old testament where people died and were taken to heaven uh you know Enoch Moses is Elijah um there were multiple people that were said to either walk with God or were taken to heaven or died and went to heaven um i don't know if Jesus played a role in that because Jesus didn't exist at that point on earth Um, and I don't know if that's the same thing because those, you know, but there is, you know, there are examples of people being in heaven that, you know, um, it's, it seems like there's some variation there. Um, and because I'm not the one choosing who's going to heaven or not, I don't think I can really, you know talk to people too much about like is your loved one in heaven yet or they're just in the grave right now i know people take this argument and they run with it to start talking about tarot and you know uh psychics and people talking to the dead and like speaking to dead loved ones and ghosts and all these types of supernatural experiences of things like that and verses in the bible saying like the dead know nothing or that you know like things that you know where people would say oh i'm being haunted or like this kind of thing usually the adventist church would be like no that's not what's happening but um there's other stuff in the bible that talks about people being raised um from the dead and all kinds of stuff so i mean just this concept of being raised from the dead is definitely a very interesting one people are going to be arguing about this forever but um yeah it sounds like there are multiple different types of teachings where there's variations of like who's going to heaven at death or before death or things about the rapture or not a secret rapture versus a joined rapture of like every person who ever lived on the face of the planet being taken up at once and all that kind of stuff so I don't know for what it's worth um that's this week's quarterly um discussion questions there's definitely a lot that I skipped. I didn't read the whole thing um all the lesson plan I didn't read all the Lng white stuff I didn't read. Or watch the videos or any of that. Like, I'm, you know, I, I'm not going to go through all that. But for people who might be interested, that's kind of what the week looks like of the types of things that people would be studying about um, as a group. And then they'd probably go to church and discuss it more at Sabbath school um, this coming weekend. So that's kind of how that looks. Um, And okay, so I hope it helps uh, for people who want to learn about those types of traditions and teaching. Um, I usually recommend for people, you know, don't get into arguments about stuff. Uh, It's a waste of energy, you know, try not to take things if you're learning them to take them and try to apply them to everybody else and look at everybody else and see what everybody else is doing and compare what everyone else is doing to what this book and these verses say, I think it's good to just focus on our own individual selves, focus on helping the people who need help, and focus on, you know, having a community of peace and not, like, arguing about stuff that really, like, just put the energy into something productive. Um, Don't put the energy into, you know, looking at other people's problems or other people's faults and trying to determine if they're, if they've got some kind of salvation or if they're going to go to heaven or hell and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, I kind of think that's a waste of energy, uh, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of energy, um, it doesn't lead anywhere, like, after all that thinking and arguing and, you know, debating if this person or that person's going to make it or not, or what hell looks like, or is there a heaven in hell, and all this kind of stuff. It doesn't make an immediate difference for your difference for your day. It doesn't improve anybody else's life. It doesn't improve your own life. So, um, I I really believe in you know studying, just trying to study for the sake of learning. You know, you know the passion of learning about things, and you know enjoying what you kind of come across, and challenging your own ideas, and trying to live the most authentically uh, as possible, to me that's definitely worth more than, you know, it's definitely worth more than, you know, all the arguing, and strife, and disagreeing, and I feel like there's too much time spent with, you know, are the drums, you know, the drums, and who's wearing jewelry, and all this kind of stuff, and it's like, does that really matter you know at the end of the day it's like we could have had a better conversation um but yeah so I hope that helps and all right um thanks for listening